And with my one last gasping breath, I'd apologize for bleeding on your shirt. Hear that, Eddie? You like that voice? You like that, Eddie? You like, you like that? that? <laughs> Eddie's just, Eddie just listening to me sing. Is that I'm something you'll be missing. Maybe I should hate you for this. Never really did ever quite get that far. Maybe I should hate you for this. Never really did ever quite get that far. On episode 33 of Mega Agent Real Estate Talk, is the real estate market about to crash? Let's find out. You're listening to Mega Real Estate Talk with Jared Davis and Galen Parker, your source for an honest, insightful look into Central Virginia's real estate market. Combined, Jared and Galen have over 20 years sales experience, as well as hundreds of testimonials from clients past and present who rely on them for advice and assistance when buying and selling homes in today's incredibly hot and competitive real estate market. And now, your hosts, Jared Davis and Galen Parker. I am Jared Davis. And I am still Galen Parker. And this is yet another episode of Mega Real Estate Talk. We appreciate you listening in. If you haven't already, please hit the like button below. Please subscribe. Please comment up. This episode is the market going to crash. We really want to hear your feedback on this one. I'm saying it is. I'm going, I'm yeah. doubling down. Yeah, all right. Any second now. And what do you think? Again, please tell us below. We want to know, depending on what market you're in, tell us. Where are you selling real estate? What are you seeing? Do you think it's going to slow down? Where are we at? Anyways, to get into the little bit of, I guess, uh, small chat, what you got going on? I heard you're going viral in India I right am now. going viral in India. New Daddy Deli here. I just <laughs> want to thank all of you guys. So I posted, uh, so here's a little backstory. Uh, some of you guys know who Titus Burgess is. He's a comedic actor. There is a new trend going on on social media about scan your face, do a little backdoor generation stuff. And it says, it's supposed to churn out who you look like. Okay. So the person that churned out for me was Titus Burgess. Because he looks exactly like you. And so I posted that. And so it was up for a while. Yeah. Yeah, my friends. Ah, that's funny. That's great. And then what I've noticed over the past three days, it's been basically 100 likes a day. And I looked at the audience, and it's all people who live in India. Maybe. So what's Big Kimmy Schmidt? What's the show that he's on that's famous? The, like the uh, Indomitable, Indomitable Kimmy Schmidt like or something like that. Like that huge in India? Like, is Maybe. That giant I don't Indian know. And I was just this? like, it is so Can funny how many people. Titus Burgess or whatever mm. right next to Galen? Uh, so many people are like in the comments. They're like, oh, this is hilarious. And I'm just like, I love all of this interaction. I'm responding to him like, I have no idea how anything goes viral. But he looks, I don't, and I don't, I don't understand the TikTok virality. I don't understand I like, love it, Instagram like they've just got rid of hashtags and now like everything they still are just like this is what you want to see and I'm like how are they everything's s- everywhere can someone also comment up and tell me that or send Explain me a press- the internet to us <laughs> yeah I mean I feel like a 90 year old man because I'm just trying to figure out all right how do more people see the podcast how do more people see our posts how do more people yeah. get out there I mean like yeah you got every Instagram model on Instagram just well. like I mean, this, this is what you want you to see. Push the content. I don't look as good in a bikini. Well, now it's also well. Let's the see staging. if we can edit a uh, bikini <laughs> on Jared. Let's see how that. That's <laughs> <laughs> all the staging things that are like it's actually not really real. They're staging it up so yeah. you just watch it and like it's like oh wait a minute I've been employed. I, oh, that's got so me. annoying. Oh like wait till you see what happens next. And then they like, like they show you like one second of it and then it's like commercial. Then you finally get to it and I'm like that's it. That's what I just sat through this twenty minutes. I'm like I'm so furious right now. But so anyways, 
Holler at your boy if you're in India and you want to go into real estate. Uh, you're looking for a mentor. Or hey, we're in India. You. Yeah. yeah. But that, I love it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, and if you're not in India, like I said, we're building teams everywhere right now. We just got you know some people in our line that are in Germany right this second, which is awesome. We got a bunch of people in different states, New York City, but we're trying to launch into some other states. So we've got some nice referral partners. So if you're building a team, if you're solo, if you are interested in joining the team wherever you're at in the world, reach out to us. My... Uh, my goal is that the next time we shoot uh, content for this uh, podcast, I'm just kind of like an entourage, uh, like Indian sitting in the people? couch behind me. They're all just like sunglasses on, like watching. I'm like, oh, sorry, guys, this happened. You go viral. I got to bring the, the the party with me. <laughs> You're just gonna have a posse. No, oh, sweet posse <laughs> with a nanny. With a nanny. Oh, yeah. If you guys listened to our last, last episode, podcast. I have uh, secured a nanny. Yeah, my nanny at is this just point. doing all the things uh, kid related. She's uh, washing the car outside. She's gassing it up. <laughs> That's so right. we've That's definitely right. gone mega. That's right. On you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Mm, love it. So there's something for you, buddy. Ooh, I, I'm just buying all the things right now. I'm I just, love it. I mean, I mean, you, I went from three years of investing to just like reckless investing ab- in yourself. Reckless like, abandon. Let's stop like, because recently you were just like, this is, might have been a rash. No. <laughs> This is what an investor does. You find a commodity that has appreciating value yourself, and now you're investing it in. So now you're getting all the things that you want, need, and deserve. And I support that because I'm going to benefit from it. So I'm all about it. Just make sure your taxes are on time. That's all I have to say. Listen, if you know anything about us, you know our taxes are not going to on time. My taxes go in. What's the last day before the government arrests you? October 15th? That's when I send my money in. Gotcha. I mean, I'll pay all the penalties. That's when I make my first payment. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. No, I think you have to make all the payments by October 15th. You got some of it. I don't think you can wait till after that. But they'll, they'll, you're good until like October 15th. There's all these people ex- running around that paid. Yeah. Well, you can be like Elon Musk where he doesn't have anything except a $50,000 house. He was like, okay, what are you going to do now? He doesn't pay himself. <laughs> He's like, I owe nothing. Smart dude. I, I mean, don't hate the player. Elon, hit me up. Tell me what to do. That's right. Leo, let me know how I can get away so with what, that. So what, what is the thing? So if What's you, the most recent if thing? If you guys know me, I'm a Porsche guy. I'm a car guy. I think I have a Porsche hat on today. Say, like, I, I have a Porsche hat like, on today? Yeah. I've got like 90 of these in the in the in my closet in different colors that it's people just give me at random events and stuff like that. So if you're a Porsche guy, you know gt cars and i managed to lock down a gt4 rs which i think is going to be literally the only gt4 rs that comes to our town this year i think i'm guessing i don't don't think they'll get any others all the allotments are done our dealer had one allotment and went to another car dealer that they traded it to them for 10 other cars that's how crazy the market is right this second and then some race car driver called and didn't want an allotment that he was given by porsche motorsport and i managed to lock that allotment so it was a completely impulse buy decision but I'll have that in, I think they said August, which is very exciting. So the GT3 is going to have a nice little sister to sit next to you for a while. We'll see if I uh, manage to keep both. And uh, the house is moving along. They changed my lot on me. Uh, if you've listened to some podcasts, you've seen I'm building my dream house right this second. Another uh, irrational purchase, probably. That's not irrational. You need a place to live. I mean, I have a pretty, I have a decent place to live, but I'm going to have a sweet place to live. But you need a place to live. Yeah, but it's, it's going to be a sweet place. No, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be so beautiful. So they changed lots on me, but I think it's for the better, even though we were literally in planning and the county had, you know, we're probably a couple weeks from approving the plans on site. Now we're moving those plans to another site. But it's a better site, so 
that's everything going on in my world. No, I love it. And then, you know, we still want to buy a bunch of apartment buildings and we're syndicating apartment deals and things like that. Renovation, so, our renovations, um, our most recent renovation should start yeah. here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, Maybe. yeah. So, so it's one of those things that it's all good until the next apartment goes under contract and someone's like knocking on my door for a million dollars or whatever they're going <laughs> to say, sorry, I bought a, a supercar and I'm building another personal house. Sorry, I can't help you. What, so, uh, you know, one thing I spent that you... all my money on depreciating <laughs> One thing that we... Uh, uh, we I, talk, I called you the other day in like a panic slight annoyance because we've got like some great content going out there and recently a guy Mike I didn't even tell you this a guy like he he liked the post he commented on it and oh. then my phone rang and so I pick up the phone I'm like hello and he's just like hey man love your content I just actually liked it and put a comment there I'm like oh, okay cool and he's like it takes a lot of humility for me to say this though and I'm like okay and he's like my son's not really doing too well and we're in a bad position <laughs> and I just wanted to know, uh, you know, would you be able to? And I was like, click. And I immediately hung up the phone. Well, this is what happens when you go viral. I mean, it was just like a random guy and I was like, that guy was just about to hit me up for some money. I you called did. Jared and I'm like, hey, FYI, if someone calls you, that's what it's about. And I guess he's just like a guy like comments and stuff and like immediately calls the people and it was just do like, you, hey. Do you get that on a lot of your Facebook posts on houses and stuff? I get a lot of DMs of I people. I get like, like a lot of DMs where people are just like i'm i'm in need so if you could just let me live there for free and i'm like it's not even for rent it's i it's get for the sales. ones that's crazy i get the ones where it's just like it's not them hey i know of someone who's in mm. you know they've got two kids and one's in the hospital and they're in the hospital and they're the doctor as well as the in the hospitals in their backyard and so if they could just move into this place for the first six all all in just six months Huh. I just need to live there for free I, I for got six one yes, months. I got one this morning. This morning, someone Man. said, is it okay if I rent this house until it sells? And I was like, that... That was for me. Sorry about that. <laughs> I need a place to live. I'm, uh, I mean, I'm all, I'm all about helping people, obviously. 100%. But man, some of the stuff, especially like when we flip houses and we get whenever I sell stuff out, like appliances, sheds, like the amount can of I people... Can I come live in that shed? Well, no, people are just like, I mean, I can I have it? Oh, yeah, if this doesn't sell, can I just have it? Oh, I'll come get it right now. No, they're not saying if it doesn't sell, they know it's going to sell. They're just like, can I have it for free? And they're <laughs> just like, give it to me. this is my story. I'm like, man, I don't... Sorry, man. I don't know. I don't... I've like listened to some of the stories. And I'm like, man, that is a great story. I was like, it's not as good as the other guy's story, though. <laughs> the other guy's story was way this more This is terrible. Compelling. We got we to get off of this before someone cancels us. <laughs> hey, don't cancel me. <laughs> don't cancel. Come on. I, mean, I understand there's people in need. I'm, I'm, not make, I'm not trying to joke on people in need. That's no, but, the, but but my thing is this. It, there's people who are legitimately in need, and they go about it in the right way. And then there's yes. people who are There's a lot of people that are preying on Who are preying on sentimentality. Thing. And yes. I'm just like, those people I don't. Look, I volunteer a lot of time because there are generally people who need help. But the other people who who are just scamming, come on. Don't, don't be that guy. All right. Mike, let's deep dive. Here's the shortest music ever. And I like the fade. That was the perfect one. That actually. was good. I know you're trying to get shorter, but that one that was great. I could listen to that for uh, half a second more. Huh, it was <laughs> great. Nice. So, when's the real estate market going to crash, Galen? Tuesday. 
Okay. All right. That's the end of the podcast, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll see you later. Like, like, subscribe. (laughs) That is probably one of the most asked questions. And sometimes I'm a little perplexed as to why people ask. They ask it in the sense that they would love for it to crash because I don't think they understand what that would mean. They've been waiting for five years to buy. Every year they're like, man, I can't wait till it's cheaper next year. It's going to crash. So in 2021, when the markets was just going crazy values, they're just like, look at this, 2022, it's going to crash. And so this episode, we're going to talk about out um will it or will it not well and, and what are some indicators you've probably uh, heard a lot of people view? say like uh this is just like 2008 right just like 2008 i was sitting back and watching it i was i called it i was the guy before the guy from big <laughs> the big short i told that guy I'm that guy i called michael burry whatever his name is i, I told i told that guy that you, you i ate. didn't tell anyone but i knew it but i told him and he got famous for it but i was the first yeah, 2008. Yeah, so we hear that a lot, right? The indicators just say, you know, at the end of the day, 2008 was a crash caused by the mortgage industry giving subprime mortgages out to people that couldn't afford them, right? Mm-hmm. So let's think about the demographics of what's going on, some factors that Lays, play in. Hit the facts. Well, there's a lot here. So hopefully we'll, we'll do this in a, you know, a fluent enough way that it makes sense. And again, we'd love to hear your feedback. Please comment if you think we're right. If we're wrong... Please tell us. Put it in the comments. Tell us we're wrong. So this is one thing that I came across in doing my research. You know, obviously we'll talk as realtors just about our sales experience and what we're seeing, but like just going by straight facts and data, one thing that stood out to me is that the population growth has outpaced home construction for the last 20 years. So uh, just throwing this out there, it says prior to 2008, or just the Great Recession in general, so 2006 to 2010. Prior to that, it says the ratio of the new population to home construction was 2 to 1. So that means that there was two people that were born for every new house that was being built. Now, this was prior to the Great Recession. So population was still outpacing growth just a little bit, but obviously we had values going up because of demand, subprime mortgage crisis, all of that mess, boom, wiped out. The issue is that once that crash happened, builders pretty much stopped building, right? A lot of builders went out of business. Builders that didn't go out of business had to pull back and make sure that they were staying safe so that they didn't go out of business. At that point, the ratio increased to five to one, right? And that was in 2007. So it says the ratio increased to five people being born for every house that was being built after 2007, and that was 14 years ago. And the building has really only gone down from there. I mean, we're starting to get back to it in the last couple of years. But when you look at the last couple of years, really, it said it hit the lowest point was in 2011 with only 483,000 homes being built in that year. Now, for reference, in some of these past years where it was actually pacing and keeping up with demand, they were building about four times the amount of houses. So anywhere from like, 1.6 to 2 million houses a year they were able to build in 2011 we did 400,000 so now you think about that if five people are being born for every house that's being built well, what's going to happen to the housing supply it's going to Oh, you're asking me? I'm asking. Uh the basics of supply and demand <laughs> yes. as demand rises supply will go down. Yeah, exactly. So so keep this in mind. In 2008 and the great recession right? The prices were high, but nothing else was the same, okay? 
So keep in mind that people say it's just like 2008. The prices are going up. It's not sustainable. The difference in 2008 is when you look at the supply, the supply was outrageous, right? So if we look in our MLS database right this second, I checked as, as early as yesterday. <laughs> I looked for actives that were within our Central Virginia database, and there was only about 260 houses for sale that were active. 260 in an entire, that's, that's Richmond City, that's all of the surrounding counties, that's almost the entire database. Now for reference, there's about 6,500 realtors in our database. So that tells us that for every one house that someone can actually buy, there are 25 realtors. Let that sink in. Can that sink in a little bit? If you're listening to this, 25 realtors to every house. That, that's a lot of realtors not, not selling houses, right? I mean, you just can't. What, what are you selling? You don't have the inventory to sell. So if you're not building a good real estate business and you're a realtor, you better know what you're doing right now so that you're, you're the one that's picking up the lion's share out of what's for sale. But if you go back like 10 years and you look at how many were for sale in the area, it was like 12,000. Yeah. So how, how much is that? 12,000 divided by 260. That's 46 times the, su <laughs> the supply like a decade ago. So now, again, a decade ago, more than a decade now, Great Recession, you had prices rising. You had Supply skyrocketing. You had people losing their houses because they couldn't afford their mortgages, not because the prices were high, but because they were on these subprime loans and they were balloon paymenting. They were calling the loans, right? They had five years and their rate would skyrocket. Now they can't afford the mortgage payment. It gets foreclosed on. Everybody starts losing their houses in addition to the fact that there's 12,000, there's thousands of houses available, so your supply is huge. And there's foreclosures happening. So what do they do? They have to move these houses. The supply is way more than the demand, hence the crash. Yeah. Right now, if anybody isn't paying their mortgage payment, they should have insane equity. Just right? sell your house. Even if they, it, there's no time in human history at this point where they could have bought their house and be underwater in it almost unless they just refinanced you know, like, unless they've just been refinancing every chance they can get. For the most part, almost anybody should have enough equity. Even if you bought 12 months ago, if you bought six months ago and you lost your job, you should still be up over 6% in almost any market in the country to where you could pay a realtor fee and get out of it. And a lot of these things, I think, basic economics, right? Yeah. So as you're looking at supply and demand. So if you look at back in 2008, if your supply is going up, price is going up, and your demand's going down, there's only one conclusion that can come. And basically, that's the exact opposite of what we have. So anytime someone's like, it's just like 2008, I'm like, no, it's not. It's like, other than that one thing about rising prices, which is you know, rising values, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. Right? It's like, we've got so much demand, and we'll talk a little bit about why when it comes to you know who's buying the houses, but there's just so little supply. It's like, there's only, so that's another thing. The other question people ask is like, will the prices come down? So, so that's, that's a good thing to bump into. So keep in mind this. The last stat that I read, this was a few months ago. I'm not sure what the number sits at now. But the country as a whole was at a housing shortage of about 4.2 million houses. Now, COVID has not made that easier. <laughs> you can't build. Be well, you can, but obviously it's become one of those things where 
materials have gone up, right? Labor costs have gone up. So in general, that's part of the reason that housing is being expensive. Now, you may be listening to this and saying, well, that has to change at some point. And some of it may very well change. But some of it, I think, is here to stay overall. I think, you know, wages rising, all of these things to account for inflation, right? I mean, we, we already know inflation is outpacing wages, so at some point, some stuff just has to go up just so that people can afford <laughs> daily life. Yeah. You know, even if it's not minimum wage, we're not in that discussion. But in general, everything's getting more expensive. We flip houses, you know, five years ago, most houses we could flip for about 35 grand are costing us like 55,000 now. It just is what it is. And taking longer. And taking longer with material costs and everything else. So when you think about it, with COVID already slowing down the process, with it being more expensive to build and being at a 4.2 million house shortage, you have to think, if we've been building only 25% of what we were building pre, pre-recession, pre right? And even in pre-recession, it was still two to one, right? They yeah. were still, even when they were building were steadily, still at a deficit. <laughs> they were still at a half deficit, but then they cut it in half. So 25% of the house were being built. Now we're at five to one plus, right, with people coming into the world. Right now you have all these millennials and people that are now trying to buy their first house. You've got millennials, think about it. Most people think millennial, they think young, but it's not really young anymore, Right. It's like 30s to even, what, 40? I don't know. When the yeah, t- I think the- it's like right now, like your oldest millennials, like 41. Yeah, so think about that. It's not like a little kid playing around. It's like this is a, a working person. He's been in the workforce for 20 years. He's saved up money. So he lived through the Great Recession. So that's the main point, right? I was you know, 18 through the Great Recession. I bought a house at 18, and it was a terrible decision back then, right? I lost, right. I lost money on it. But even then, think about it. I bought the house then. You had a lot of millennials that were 10 years older than me that maybe they were you know, in their 20s, going into their 30s. Maybe they wanted to buy a house and couldn't. Market crashes, whatever. Now, you fast forward 10 years later, they're making money, right? We've, we've gone through COVID. We've gone through this boom. Interest rates have gone down. Now you've got all of these people that are trying to get into home ownership that maybe couldn't do the Great Recession. They're trying to catch up, and now there's no houses. So how long does it take to catch up with 4.2 million houses? It's gonna be it's gonna be a while. It's not quick. I I, I read a uh, thing a couple of weeks ago that kind of added to that about millennials and the demand on housing markets that so many millennials, de- so many millennials that are in that 34 to 38 range. The things that that it's different in generations. They in generations past they had kids, mm-hmm. and so you would think like, well, okay, that they definitely want a house. But the what's offsetting is the fact that a lot of these people they don't have the children, which comes with a cost. So now they have a greater um, savings so that they could purchase a house. Where like in the past years they didn't have that money at their disposal. So now what we saw, especially last year, we saw all these people were like, a lot of times we're like, where is the money coming from? And now when we look at the data, we're like, oh. Okay, they've been saving that because they didn't have to spend it on, you know, all these other, you know, ancillary things. Yeah. Not that children are ancillary, but all these <laughs> other things that, you know, would make a demand. So now they've got like these nest eggs. You know, now we've got clients who are, you know, they're 37 and I'm like, well, do you have any down? They're like, well, we saved up $60,000. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, yeah. okay. The, because they haven't done this. So like now we've got this huge, um, you know, influx of people who are not just first-time home buyers, but they're well qualified. Cash, yeah. Well qualified, flush with cash home buyers. And so now they're if they sat out twenty twenty one, their desire to live inside a nice house hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. They still are working from home now. They don't want to work from their apartment now. 
Mm-hmm. And so now their demand's going up. And so now we've just walked right into 2022. Yep. And so it's like a crash would mean that all of these people are like, hey, we lost our money. Now we're not. It's not like they all invested in cryptocurrency and they became a millionaire on Monday. Then uh, they were broke on Tuesday. Like everyone's still making smart financial yeah. decisions and they're looking for this investment. And and home prices have gone nuts, right? And and sure. in some areas they've gone from, you know, 10 to 15% gains in the last 12 months to some have even had 25 to 30 plus percent gains in the last 12 months. So you figure even if you had a pullback in some pricing, right? There may be some people that bought within a certain given year that maybe lose some of the equity if they paid a really high price. If values came down, I'm not saying they're going to. But the reality is that if you've bought in the last couple of years, you've fed into all those gains. And if you bought in the last five, six, seven, eight years, you've really fed into all those gains. Yeah. So if you've gained 70% home value in your house and your market over the last five years, and then home prices you know, fall for any consecutive reason, they're not going to fall 70%. So even if they go down 10%, right, you're still so much in the equity, right? We haven't seen good foreclosures in three years. No. It's, I mean, people all the time, investors call us. Well, I'm not, where are the foreclosures? You're not sending me any foreclosures. Where, where can I find them? I'm like, like, sir, it's in the search. If there's a foreclosure, you will see it. There's just not that many homes foreclosed. It's just wild when you were talking about like that. I, I bought a property in 2010 mm-hmm. for... Uh, maybe like a hundred and sixty thousand. Okay. And my neighbor, who's like a street over, has a smaller footprint than my house, and they just sold it for two ninety. Was it the one that went for two ninety? Yeah, it was like a hundred twenty five thousand dollars more than my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking my house is bigger, and I've you know uh, I've maintained some of like you know the things that you need. You know, I was like I would, a couple more tweaks. I'm like, but man, I could sell this house and. Yeah, you're down I'll payment live in your on your basement. Or you can come live in my new house. Yeah, that's great. It'll be big enough. But, but I just I mean, don't want a bigger house. That's but, the last but that's thing the I want. other thing. So many people are okay. We can finish out the the studio. Area. Absolutely. I mean, so many people so are, are selling these just houses, me. and and they've got so much equity over the last five, six, seven years that then going into this new house and having to put an extra twenty, thirty thousand down, they're like, okay, it's fine. I'm just transferring the wealth over. Yeah. You know, and so that's that's one of the things that's happening right this second, obviously, with the values going up. Now, again, just to like hit on supply a little bit again, back when things were crashing, the supply was insane. You had so much of it. Just for your reference as a realtor, especially being able to talk about, you know, talk to your clients in these markets, if you're at six months of supply, that's typically a buyer's market when it would definitely start. And you start getting into a pretty good seller's market at about three months of supply. When I checked at least our home stats the other day, we were down to 0.6 months supply. So right around two, two and a half weeks, mm-hmm. if nobody else listed any houses, we'd be done. There would be not one house for sale. I looked at the stats this morning on pendings versus new listings. In the last seven days in our MLS, we've had 290 new listings, we've had 618 pendings. <sighs> So we've put double the amount under contract in the last week than we've we've listed. listed. And I've been watching these stats and they get scarier and scarier (laughs) each month and year because last year, you know, it was was a gap still and you were like, wow, it's crazy how many are pending versus what's actually being listed. And it's just getting wider and wider and wider and wider and wider. So I say all that to say, I don't think the demand's stopping anytime soon. 
I don't think the prices going up are going to stop anytime soon. So for you buyers or sellers, I know I know this is a realtor podcast, but for you realtors that are talking to your buyers and your sellers, you know that's why you should be letting them know this is not a bad time to buy. It's not a bad time to try to move up because it's going to keep going. Now, with all of that being said, okay, the thought process is what is it going to take to slow the market down, to maybe soften prices a little bit, or even possibly cause a crash. Dun, dun, dun. I hope we get a, like a nice audio graph or audio in there for that. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll, I'll take it, or if you want to throw well, your you know, input. I, I, I always tell people, look at fundamentals of economics, and the, the number one fundamental economics is going to be supply and demand. So for us to have a crash, we need something large to has that happen uh, that's going to, one, flood the market with supply. Yep. Because that's going to be the biggest thing, because it's going to be we're like, hey, there's more out there than we can even purchase. Yes, you'd almost have to have prices come down on supplies and building materials and everything enough for the builders. And and the thing is, I read an article a while back that just talked about just the process of getting homes built. It's such a long process. Like counties and the government just make it so difficult from a permitting standpoint and a zoning standpoint and a preparation standpoint and and now with covid even that like some of our jurisdictions are like hey we'll talk to you when we talk to you right so there's even like people that are like please let us build and it's you know the government holding it up right so you would almost need some of that stuff to get freed up you would need materials to be cost effective enough where they're like all right let's steam steam ahead and you would have to have a lot of inventory influx to the point where you're like all right we're starting to catch up, and people aren't just fighting to the death in the front yards. People of aren't every overpaid. house they want. And I, I come from a supply and demand background. You know, I was in logistics for many years, and just I was looking at this other thing that mentioned, you know, why can't we just build more houses? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so many things are like not in the right direction for that. It's like even if you get the wood, it's like all right, we've got the wood, we cut down the trees. Well, how do we get the wood there? Oh, we put it on the truck. All right, well, where do we get the truck drivers? There's not enough truck drivers. There's not enough trucks. There's not. I mean, there's like every. Every business is yeah, missing. Every, they're, they're just like, we're, you know, we don't know. Like, all right, we got the windows. Well, we have no one to put the seals on. Yeah, We've got every, no one to load them. We got, so it's like, there's so many, like everything is adding a delay. And so for us to see a crash, we've got to fix everything. Yeah. Right? Every business is lacking like 30% of the employees that it needs to actually do the job correctly. So that's obviously an issue. But let's, again, let's say all that stuff gets fixed, right? God, we the, fixed the, it the, all. The other issue is that. You know, prices are increasing at a rate that is just unfounded, right? You've got hedge funds just buying houses up right now because they're like, well, if we can get 20 to 30% gains in a year or two, that's better than you do in the market, right? So we'll just buy up all these houses and rent them out, and we'll have not only the equity gains on the houses, but then we can rent them to appreciate all of these yeah. things, right? The issue that I am 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 wondering about, right? Again, we love your feedback. Please comment. Please let us know what you think. 20 to 30 percent gains in some places last year 15 to 20 percent gains in places the year before that pretty heavy gains the years before that for the last almost four to five years going into this year they said you know oh, we expect softer gains maybe three to five percent yet now i'm seeing seven to eight <laughs> percent and we're making offers on houses right now which makes me think it's also going to be a 10 to 12 percent year right the second based on everything i'm seeing at least in my market yeah at what point does the housing just become unaffordable okay. to the normal person, right? 
right? I mean, like you said, you, you, you made a valid point with a lot of people are just stacked with cash right this second. The markets have been pretty good to people over the last couple of years. If you were an investor of any kind, you know, job growth has been good. If you were in a good industry, right? If you were in a good paying job, you had unemployment money being thrown out at people. So you got even people that got jobs post pandemic that are like, I saved all this unemployment money they gave me because I was making more money than I was making working. You've got PPP money, people that said, hey, we used our PPP money to pay our employees the way we should have. But that means we didn't have to spend all this other money that we made. So now we have all of this money. Yeah. Or even the people that took the PPP loans that were supposed to be paid back, it's like 1% that they have to, to pay on that interest forever. So they're like, I got millions of dollars in the bank, some of these guys, right? So there's a lot of cash out there. But even with that being said, when you come down to your middle class and then lower class starter homes, right, they're getting so expensive right now one of the worries becomes at what point i'm not even talking about a minimum wage worker here you know minimum wage workers have always had trouble buying houses that's why it's the minimum wage but go to your your middle class let's say you're making 20 25 dollars an hour you know 18 dollars an hour 17 dollars an hour whatever right to go out and just buy a house for i mean your starter home now median price 300,000 in richmond Hmm, yeah. Your your nineteen hundred dollar mortgage, even with interest rates the way they are. So if you're in an apartment and you're making you know eleven hundred dollar apartment payments, twelve hundred dollar apartment payments, nine hundred dollar apartment payments, depending on where you are, maybe you're saying no, my apartment's fifteen, sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars, yeah. right? Yeah. And they're going up, right? Rents increased seventeen percent last year, year over year, which is huge. But I found that early in this business, it was so nice to sell starter houses to people because they said I'm paying twelve hundred in rent. And I would say, well, for twelve hundred bucks, we can get you a mortgage on a four bedroom house with a two car garage, and you have all dun, of this dun, stuff, yeah. and your life's gonna be awesome. Now they have to kind of justify, I'm gonna also buy a shoebox to live in for the same price, or now I have to make another five, six, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars a month to actually get into the house that I want to get into and live. And I see that as an issue. Yeah. In the long run, what, does it soften some just because people say, I can't afford it anymore? All of the little starter houses have been bought up by investors who are just renting them out now because the rents are so good, and they want out. They use the cash while all of these buyers, uh, no offense, I'm sorry, but you know, hopefully it's a realtor listening to this, and you're like, man, I have clients like that that sat for three years and said, I'm just going to wait. I'm yeah. going to wait. And every investor around them bought up all the houses because they were smart. And now that buyer is saying, I can't afford to buy anymore. And what are they doing? Because you waited. And now you're going to rent the house from that investor for 500 bucks more a month than you could have just owned it for, right? It's like a, a lesson in frustration that I have with clients every day because I'm trying to build their wealth. I'm trying to build their life. And they don't want to listen. Yet, I think that's where we're heading. I think we're heading to starter homes being owned by investors. I think for new home buyers, it's going to be very hard to get into the market. Yeah. And then I think with rates moving up, that's going to crush people. Make it even harder. Yes. Now, again, is the demand still high enough where people are going to have to live with it? Yes. I almost think people are going to lower their living standards. They're going to have to, right? Like if you could have bought a $300,000 house, whatever, five years ago, that would have been five bedrooms and 2,000 square feet and had garage space or whatever. And again, depending on where you're at in the country or the world and you're listening to this, you may say $300,000 does not buy us even a studio, like if you're in New York City, right? But you could also be living in Oklahoma and say, man... 300,000 buys you a lot. No offense to the Oklahoma people. West Virginia, we trash them all the time. So <laughs> right. West Virginia. Right. D- don't act like I forgot. We're trying to make friends on this channel. Not uh... <laughs> Don't act like we forgot. The worst Virginia. Yeah, I, got, Virginia. I got a question. The lesser I got, Virginia. Fire away. Do you think the builders have gotten points where they've actually hurt the market 
for the person who wants to get their first home that can't really get into a new home, but the building around the community of all these houses popping up that they've skewed it where it's it's too much. You think that you, are you just asking are they overcharging with greed? Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't necessarily think it's greed. I think they know with supply and demand they can get it, right? That's like saying like as a home flipper, right? This is like the logic a lot of people had. They're like, well, supply is is going to come back at some point and then it's not going to cost so much to flip the houses anymore. But the difference is that if the comp says that I can sell a flip and make $80,000, I'm not going to drop it $30,000 because I saved $30,000 to flip it and make 50000 if the market can hold. So I can't get mad at the builder for also saying, hey, we sold the last 10 houses for 400 Yeah, but they changed the game. They changed the game when the house is already be going. They're like, oh, by the way, we need an additional 30000 They do. Now, Now again, I do think that them doing that, they're doing that. And, and I think some people could be shady. Uh, but I do think for the most part, they're doing a dollar for dollar. If you're uh, if you're open and honest as a builder, you're saying, hey, this is the price we have built in. If for some reason the lumber goes, lumber up, goes up, you're going to or... have to pay the difference. And my build contract right now, if the lumber goes down, I actually get money back, right? That's not going to happen. <laughs> they were happy to write that in the contract. They were like, yeah, we're going to give you. If it goes down, Mr. Davis, <laughs> yeah. we'll give you some money back. Sure. That it will. <laughs> I, well, not, I, I just know it's not I just know yeah. it's not going to go down. But but the but the flip side is that even when... <laughs> the, the wood went down but the gravel went up yeah, yeah. but that is everything right so yeah. the, but the, so the whole point is that if if ryan holmes has gone and sold 10 houses on the street for four hundred thousand, and then now for some reason they're saving twenty thousand dollars on that build they're just gonna keep charging they're not going for to 380 yeah and, and and in all honesty every neighborhood that's a new build typically starts off cheaper in the beginning because you're in the middle of all the construction and everything else mm-hmm. and by the end of the neighborhood it's up anyway so typically if ryan starts and like you're the first on the street and you're gonna you have, get this price yeah dump trucks are gonna be passing you every day for the next two years but then in two years it's a slight incentive it's, it's all that i think it's probably gone down right now well so now it's like great now now with all of those same rules you're like great the, the end of the neighborhood's now seventy thousand dollars more but now inflation's made it one hundred forty thousand dollars more and it doesn't even matter what it's going to cost to build because they're going to get that price no matter what and i i always think about and you've, you've i've probably said it already like eight times supply and demand because we often put a house up in you know a, a neighborhood that maybe in historically 20 years ago they're like that's not a quote-unquote good neighborhood oh, how man. can you justify this price you flippers are doing that and i always think oh, i'm like God. do you guys don't understand supply and demand it's like even if this neighborhood in your own mind is not a good neighborhood there are just so many buyers that are like i'm willing to purchase in this yeah. area because it would be four hundred thousand more in this area exactly and so like we we had one recently where people were like i can't imagine you guys charging the 350 in this neighborhood and i think it like actually like went under contract for way more than that i'm like it's gonna blow some of these people's minds when they see it because it's just it's not us it's you it's the demand it's the the consumer saying yeah i get it maybe 20 years ago this that or the other but I want to buy this size house with these amenities, these upgrades, and okay, maybe it has to be in this area, but what is this area going to look like in five years? I've got a long-term vision uh, for that, for the value, and I'm going to be honest with you, they're probably right. That long-term vision is going to make them that money back, and so there's a lot of people who are like sitting on the sidelines like, well, they made it. I'm like, no, it's not us, and like, so you need to kind of take action now so that you too can benefit, because... The someone someone literally said on that now. post, regentrification should be illegal. 
That's what they put in the post. So fixing things up and selling them should be illegal. And so I thought, what's the logic? This is another hot topic, and you, you could be on either side. We should do a whole podcast on this, because this Jared one could spark a lot Jared loves gentrifying. Well, the thing is, like, what's what would you rather do? If you did exactly. nothing what's to the, the neighborhood, then every house at some point would be unlivable. I walk through these houses. I'm not saying there's not some people that have kept up the neighborhood and lived there for 80 years. Yeah. But for the most part, when we go to buy these houses, they are uninhabitable. No one would ever put a loan on it. Sometimes they don't have running water sometimes the plumbing is not working right you've got mold it's it's terrible for the people that are living there for whatever the reason is at what point do you let a neighborhood just go and be like we'll never save it right that yeah. that would not whoever's living in that neighborhood whenever it's fully done they're also not going to be saying i'm glad no one came in here i'm and, glad no one invested in this that's it so yeah guess, guess what you're going to have higher taxes prices are going to go up that's what's going to happen in your neighborhood and if you choose to live in the house that is is falling apart like that Hey, your one perk is that 10 years ago and something like Northside in our area, we would have bought your house for 50000 Then like five years ago, it would have been like eighty or 90000 Now we're giving you like $200,000 for a shell. <laughs> 200 yeah. grand for I a house we have to rip, the, rip down. The, I, I, I always ask them, well, let's walk through the opposite. Like, let's say, you know, let's, not, let's use a different word. Let's not say gentrify. Let's say we invest. What happens if we don't do that? If we don't, so like, so would what would you like? He's like, all right, well, there will be like no schools, no amenities, no investment, property values down. I'm like, so that's your ideal scenario. There, no, it's going to be really low, and then you're going to say, "Man, I wish someone would invest in this area." And then we're going to say, "We tried." And then people get mad. And you got like, on my Facebook post and called me a monster. <laughs> yeah, and then people are like, "Who's going to pay that in this neighborhood?" It's like, "Don't fix up the neighborhood." But if you do, who's going to pay to live here? And you're like, "We're trying to make it good to live <laughs> Don't here." Don't fix it up too nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, all right, got so it. So I know that's a huge side run from, but no, from it, the it's topic. It's necessary because we're talking about values and crashing. So, so ultimately, though, I think with interest rates going up and values going up, I. I think at some point you're going to reach a sustainability option where, yes, the people that are wealthy, people that are making really good money, maybe they even adjust, right? If you were someone that was going to buy an $800,000 house and the market keeps going up, maybe you're looking at a five or $600,000 house, you know, because it moved up to that price point at some point, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. You may have to lower your expectations. The problem is going to come again with the first time home buyers. Will their expectations be lowered to a point where there's just nothing affordable in their range anymore? For that guy that they say you're pre-approved for 200000 when there's no $200,000 houses left, what happens, right? That's going to suck for, for those people. But I do think it is an inevitably going to happen. It's just, will at that point, will values ever come down again because of that? And I don't, I don't know the answer. It's tough to say. Again, we love your feedback. I do think with interest rates going up, they've already moved up to almost 4% on some people when last year we were getting 2.5 on 30-year mm -hmm. loans. I know in my personal house, just the interest rate bump, I think, is moving my payment up like $500 a month. Which uh, is uh, sickening. It's it's it's, it's it, sickening. It is sickening. It hurts me inside. <laughs> I hate thinking about it. But, but like even like just if you look long term, being at four percent, it's still low. I mean, it's still kind of crazy. Like I hear people like, oh, and I'm like, hey, talk to your parents. Talk to yeah. like, hey, don't even talk to your parents. Talk to your older brother who bought like ten years ago, and I was he at six. Like, I was at six point. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I bought in twenty ten, and I think I was like like low. I was at, I was higher than we are now. Yeah. So it's just kind of like you know, it's all relative. And it's like granted, yes, two two percent was awesome. Yeah. But you know, we're, we're talking about sustainability. But so I think that's that's going to be the name of the game, right? Is can we get inventory where we need it to be? Why? I mean, I think the inventory needs to go up to keep the pricing from skyrocketing because of supply and demand. I think rates going up with the Fed pushing things up is going to definitely fall into 
you know, how fast things can go up or down, right? If rates go to 6%, I think it has to slow some buyers down, right? It's already changing affordability on our pre-approval letters for people, right? We got to get people re-pre-approved and yeah. make sure that they can actually afford what they were given months ago when rates were in the twos that they haven't bought yet. But I think that remains to be seen. I think as long as inventory stays where it's going, prices are going up. I don't see it moving down. I hope we plateau at some point. Yeah. Kind of do this number, this whole 20% a year thing's getting kind of crazy, I think. But I do think we're going to do one of these numbers when an inventory if you, if, up. if you plateau a little bit, then other things can catch up, like you know, yeah. wage gaps, all that stuff can kind of like get a little bit. Because I was thinking about like, even if we go to six percent, how much more money are the people making today than they were before when they were making six percent? It's like they're making way more money. Yeah. So when you think about it, what we do honestly hope, I think, will the market crash? I think no. <laughs> I want to hear your feedback. I want to hear your comments. What I think is, as inventory starts to catch up, hopefully. Uh, supply on materials starts to come down a little bit and yeah. catch up. Interest rates are going to move up as affordability changes for people and they realize, okay, maybe it's not worth refinancing now. It's not worth selling to move up for what it's going to cost me. I think that will slow some of the gang rush, the gold rush that's going on for housing right this second. But I don't think it's crashing our values. I think we're going to kind of plateau. So I think it's a great time to tell your buyers it's still good to buy. I think it's a great time to say it's still good to sell. It's a good time to lock in interest rates. Overall, I don't think the world is ending. It's not going to end. And if it does... Call we'll, us and we'll help you sell your house. We'll be here to watch it burn with you. <laughs> so anyways, we'll sitting right next to you on the bus. That's right. Like, subscribe. Please comment up. Give us your thoughts and questions. How do you feel about gentrification? Give us some discussions. Let's talk about it in the comment section. We appreciate you following us. Again, this is another episode of Mega Real Estate Talk. I'm Jared Davis. You can find me on Instagram at underscore underscore the Davis group, or you can email me directly, Jared at centralvarealty.com. If you're a real estate agent looking to grow your business, if you want to plug into our personal training, into our personal network, uh, into our referral network, we would love to talk to you and help you grow your business. Galen? You can reach me at Galen at centralvarealty.com or on Instagram, your realtor's favorite realtor, RVA. I look forward to hear from you. Thank you guys for the DMs. Thank you, India. Uh, let's, do it, let's do it again next week. Thanks for watching. If you have a real estate question that you would like to ask Jared or Galen, reach out to them at Jared at centralvarealty.com or Galen at centralvarealty.com. Who knows? It may even be featured on an upcoming episode. 